0: News commentary, technology preparedness, and pop culture
1: from Nashville, Tennessee, the home of hot chicken.
0: I'm Jess, the straight Christian conservative one,
1: and I'm Chris, a gay Buddhist libertarian.
0: We will explore today's issues with opposing viewpoints and feature guests with incredible or unique stories. We may th- see things differently,
1: but in the end, this is still, still love you, bro. bro. Uh,
0: you know, maybe it's just not tradition anymore to get the intro right.
1: No, that's just that's that's our hook now.
0: It's always going to be some sort of uh, consonant that I. Reverse or invert.
1: We screw it up in the middle, the beginning,
0: and the end. Yeah, well, we missed a missed a week, Chris, and um, I guess that was partially my fault, maybe entirely my fault. I may, Chloe and I may have may have been exposed to COVID unintentionally, so uh, we got kicked out of our respective workplaces until we could prove that we don't have the virus, and we didn't. We're okay. We did not experience any sort of COVID symptoms, and so we're back.
2: And we tested them negative. Good. Yay. Yep.
1: No COVID's here. No, no COVID. COVID. That's the way we like it. Yep. Um, wow. We, we do have a, a COVID story that I've, I'm going to tell you about very briefly, but
0: not right now. No. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, how are you, Chris? Um, I know you've, I'm sure, missed your stress relief last weekend, so I'm, I'm surprised your head's still on your shoulders. You
1: know, we have a lot of news stacked up, and uh, this is Monday we record, so when I say today, uh, you'll be listening to this a few days later. But um, this is breaking, actually, on Monday, but there's another shooting in Colorado, um, Aurora, of all cities, where in 2012, oh, really? yeah, there was uh, there was another shooting. But from the last that I saw, five or six uh, teenagers have been taken to a hospital after a shooting at a small park. Uh, it was near a high school in Aurora. Uh, it was a park called Nome Park, which was uh, just north of Central High School. Hmm. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of reports that the high school had gone into lockdown or whatnot. So probably. we don't
0: have any fatalities. We just have injured right now?
1: Uh, so far, as as of, as of the recording of this on Monday. Hmm. Okay. Um, but, but, you know, we talked about this a few shows later. Like, what's going on in Colorado with these people shooting stuff, yeah. shooting people? What's going on?
0: It's strange. Uh, and, you know, uh, I always wonder about um, how— Regulations and changes in law impact the uh, outcomes of these situations. So I'm not I'm not too um, familiar with Colorado law um, as far as on firearms, but um, maybe we should research it and uh, draw some inferences um, from that.
1: Something something gives. I don't know if it's the mental health system or what, but um, the last I read, the, um, the the victims are between 14 and 17, so really young. So we'll, we'll keep those families in our thoughts.
0: Let's hope that it wasn't a uh, school related thing.
1: Yeah, no kidding. It seems to be just related to this part, but Mm. um, moving on, I I think you'll like this. Um, I don't know if you listen to Alex Jones. um.
0: (laughs) No, no, I do not. Um, Are you sure? Are you sure? You know, I've never once listened to his actual show. I have watched several memes um, where he yells about frogs being gay, um, but that's about all my knowledge (laughs) on... Alex Jones. (laughs) This, Um, I don't, I don't,
1: like I know his name, but this, this, I like this article and I like this story because it sets a lot of precedents and it's kind of related to um, school shootings. A judge in Connecticut has ruled that conspiracy theorist Alex Jones is responsible for all damages in the defamation lawsuit brought against him by the families of those killed in the 2012 Sandy Hook school shooting after his repeated claims uh, that the Newtown massacre was a hoax. Interesting. That sets a huge precedence.
0: It does. Yeah. It's kind of a little bit scary. Um, Yeah. But I guess, you know what... You have to be responsible for the things you say.
1: There's that soapbox we're talking about and and thinking about what you're saying. Um, So this this uh, Superior Court Judge Barbara Bellis issued a default in the lawsuits Monday morning after years of what she found to be inappropriate conduct by Jones's attorneys regarding depositions and the callous disregard of their obligation to turn over financial and web analytics data as ordered by the court. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The default is the most severe sanction Bellis could issue, ruling in favor of the Sandy Hook families and sending the case directly to a jury to award damages without the much anticipated civil trial.
0: Well, that's big. That is really big. And I suppose we will see um, how much damages they get awarded. It will probably destroy his um, news network.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a massive news network, so we'll see.
0: I guess so. Um, My thing kind of ties into that a little bit. Um, Those of you that are in in the loop may know that the Kyle Rittenhouse trial has been going on lately, um, and uh, it is in its closing um, today. And likely tomorrow, I think we will see jury deliberations and a verdict. Uh, So by the time you hear this podcast, it's very likely um, you will know the verdict of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Um, and I spent a lot of my time, uh, with that trial in my ear today. And it's kind of, it's very interesting, um, the whole process. And I kind of just wanted to discuss a little bit about my experiences, um, with the trial and, and what I've noticed. Um, now but,
1: briefly catch us up on Kyle Rittenhouse.
0: Okay. So, um, those of you who don't know, Kyle Rittenhouse, um, he was a 17 year old boy back in, um, believe March of 2020, uh, during the um, Black Lives Matter riots um, in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And
1: he had a an assault weapon,
0: right? An AR-15. Um, but he was. This was during the Jacob Blake um, uh, protests and riots, and uh, I believe it was like the third day uh, the, of the riots that when this happened. So. Uh, What we knew originally was um, there were several videos that surfaced of a boy named Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, He had been walking around uh, the city um, with the AR-15. I believe he was uh, guarding certain businesses with other um, individuals. Displaying his First Amendment rights. Sure, yeah. And he he carried the weapon. Um, It. We didn't know that now or then. We back then we weren't sure if he was legally able to have the weapon. Sure, but, um, and we're, but, but today, we're talking
1: about we're in the middle of riots, Sure. Right? And he's walking around with a with an AR. Sure, strapped but to his there, back.
0: there was a concern that because of his age, he was unable to carry that weapon in public. However, um, the judge actually today dismissed the lowest charge uh, against him, um, which was uh, the um, possession unlawful possession of a dangerous weapon. Uh, and it was interesting it was almost dismissed kind of as a technicality because the long wisconsin actually says that um it's it's kind of interesting so they were debating about whether or not he actually had the uh, the explicit the right by omission uh to carry this rifle due to how the law is interpreted based upon you know who can carry it um interpreted at, at, at its bare face anybody who is under the age of 18 that is carrying a quote dangerous weapon um is is guilty of uh, carrying wep- or unlawfully carrying a weapon, uh, but they actually dismissed it because um, under Wisconsin law, a dangerous weapon is an NFA item or a short-barreled rifle, which I guess is an NFA item. And they actually brought the gun out and measured it, and it was um, the barrel length was over 16 inches, and the total length of the weapon was more than 26 inches. So that's how they dismissed that charge. And it was at the very last minute that they brought this up, and it was kind of interesting. Um, so there went that charge and that was kind of a key, um, chink in the, uh, um, prosecutions argument, um, for what he did next. But I go back to the actual, uh, happenings in Kenosha back in 2020. So, um, the series of events was Kyle was, um, uh, around a, a car shop, uh, and he was walking, uh, towards a group of people. And this uh, gentleman um, named um, uh, Rosenbaum, who had just gotten—the the facts of the case are not clearly defined. Um, some say he was just out of a hospital. That's what the prosecution likes to say. The defense says that he was in a mental institution. Who had, had, He had just been released. And uh, he pursued um, Mr. Rittenhouse and chased him down. Uh, Rittenhouse ran between several cars and was cornered and, um, there's tons of video of this. There's actually FBI drone footage of this. Um, Rosenbaum appears to leap towards Rittenhouse and Rittenhouse fires, uh, four times in quick succession. Uh, the bullets strike, all four bullets strike, um, uh, the gentleman Rosenbaum and he dies there shortly after. Um, Kyle immediately, uh, Kind of walks around, gets his bearings, calls his friend and say, I just shot someone. I need help. And then he runs uh, to, I assume, because he sees police several blocks down the road. And he's that's what he's telling people in the crowd. There's several videos of him saying, uh, I got to get to the police. I'm, I got to get to the police. I need help. Stuff like that. So as he's running down the street um, to get police, uh, he's being pursued by other members of the crowd. And uh, one person comes and hits him in the back of the head. The prosecution uh, is claiming that this person was simply taking his hat, um, Kyle Rittenhouse's hat. However, you can see that the blow actually makes Kyle kind of lunge forward, so it was a blow to the back of the head. Hey, in my opinion. Um, obviously, this is still up for debate. And then they, there were several other people. One who had a skateboard, um, trying to remember his name. Um, Huber, I think, was his last name. Anthony Huber. Um, he ran up to Kyle, hit him with the skateboard and Kyle actually blocked the blow and it threw the skateboard across the street. And then Anthony went to retrieve it. Then another, uh, then Kyle actually fell down on his own accord and turned around facing the crowd that was chasing him. Um, a guy came up and tried to kick him in the head. They call him jump kick man. Um, because they didn't, he was never identified. He's called jump kick man. And, uh, he kicks Kyle in the head it spins Kyle around and Kyle fires his AR-15 in response to that. Um, he misses Jump Kick Man. Jump Kick Man flees. At this time, um, Anthony Huber comes back with the skateboard and strikes Kyle twice in the head and the back of the neck and then reaches for Kyle's firearm, after which Kyle discharges his weapon once and it strikes Anthony Huber uh, directly in the chest, actually severs his um, his uh, uh, aorta and he dies ex- almost before he hits the ground. Then there was one more. Um, his name was, Oh gosh, I'm trying to remember this cause I was just listening to this trial. Um, Rose Kreutz. I can't remember his first name. Uh, Rose Kreutz. Um, he was actually videotaping part of the incident. He was holding a phone in his left hand and in his right hand, he had a Glock, um, pistol and he ran up to, um, Kyle, just about the same time Anthony Huber was shot, when the shot came out that hit Huber, um, Rose Quartz actually ducked and put his hands over his head. Kyle pointed the weapon at him, and through restraint, my opinion, did not fire at him because he put his hands up immediately after. Um, Even though the gun was still in his right hand, he just wasn't grasping the firearm. Uh, After Kyle turns I guess to look at his weapon or to do something else, there's debate about what he was doing, but obviously it's in the moment. We can't really tell. Um, Rosecourt steps to the side and appears to drop his hands, and the the defense argues that he points the firearm directly at Kyle Rittenhouse. That's what Kyle Rittenhouse says. The uh, prosecution says that it was an involuntary action that the gun was pointed towards Rittenhouse, Um, Because immediately after that happens, Kyle Rittenhouse fires his AR-15 again, striking him in the bicep and completely blowing his arm to pieces. Um, And at that point, there's no more attackers. Kyle gets up and continues running to the police. The police pretty much ignore him uh, when he gets to the police line and tell him to get out of the street. And uh, so he just packs up and goes home. He was arrested the next day in the morning. uh, And... uh, Long story short, now we're here, so did that kind of fill you into the facts of the case so that, far
1: that that was as descriptive as you could have gotten?
0: okay fantastic. so now here we are. Um, if you've looked at if you've watched any of the arguments, um, I have to say the thing that has really hit me to the core throughout this entire thing is how how dirty um, I don't know if I have a better word uh, the prosecutor is the assistant DA. Um, He has done things that I never thought would be allowed in a courtroom. Um, When Kyle Rittenhouse was on the stand, one of the things he um, uh, interrogated him about uh, was, um, well, let me restate. He essentially, in a question and subsequent expounding of the question, suggested that Kyle's decision to remain silent and contact a lawyer after the shooting was an admission of guilt. And so, obviously, if you know anything about the Constitution... That's how that works. Exactly. Then
2: Brian Laundry did it.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, but...
2: That's it's, not how that works.
0: Yeah. Uh, you can't insinuate someone's silence is a admission of guilt. He did that. And, and the judge actually blew up on the prosecution. That was one of many times that during this case, the, the, the judge actually sent the jury out and spent about... 20 minutes yelling at the prosecution for how stupid they were. Um, In fact, I believe it was that moment that the defense piped up and and after the jury was taken out, obviously, and said, he knows he's exactly what he's doing. Talking about the prosecutor, he's trying to force a mistrial. And of course, what a mistrial would do for Kyle Rittenhouse Uh, was he would be retried. He'd be drugged through the legal system once again through a long trial, jury selection, all of that stuff. And that's kind of what resonated with me is I think this whole process, um, the prosecutor's case kind of fell apart about halfway through um, when their star witness, uh, one of their star witnesses, that is, um, Grosskreutz, uh, actually admitted on the stand um, that he was pointing his gun at Kyle Rittenhouse. And only then, Kyle Rittenhouse shot him. Um, He actually said he had his hands up, and and this is the prosecutor asking these questions. I had my hands up, and he didn't fire, right? That's correct. And it was only after you pointed your weapon at Kyle that he fired. He said, that is correct. And I'm just like, okay, at this point, how have we not dismissed at least Grosskreutz's charge? They're charging this guy with two counts of first-degree murder, one count of first-degree reckless um, or first-degree attempted murder and several counts of reckless endangerment for random bystanders that they found. Uh, One of the people who actually supports Kyle Rittenhouse's um, defense, they are charging him with recklessly endangering him. He's actually a journalist. um, and I can't remember his name. It'll probably pop in my head in a minute, but he actually was on the stand and testified um, to the benefit of Rittenhouse, Uh, but yet there's still a charge um, saying that he was recklessly endangered. Um, So and really, this is a huge self-defense case. If they can prove perfect self-defense, the, the defense, and that is, um, if they can prove perfect self-defense, none of these charges fit. Every single charge falls off. The only one that would not have fell off was the gun charge, and that was dismissed before the closing arguments. So I spent, like I said, most of my day looking at the closing arguments, and the defense is – or the, the prosecution is trying to make him out like an active shooter. That's how they're trying to frame it to the jury. Uh, the def- the prosecution actually came out and said that, um, in reality, it was the mob that was chasing Kyle that had the right to use deadly force against him because they believed him to be a threat or an active shooter. So they could have, uh, I guess, under the blessing of the law, killed Kyle Rittenhouse, and it would have been fine. That was the... Obviously not verbatim, but that was what the prosecution argued uh, in their closing statements today, that Kyle Rittenhouse did not deserve, was not, you know, he was not defending himself. It was the crowd who was chasing him as he was fleeing to the police that they could have killed him and it would have been fine. So Kyle should have just let them keep bludgeoning him with a skateboard and allowed them to take his weapon and all of that. So I guess you know where I stand with how I'm kind of speaking about this. Um, Do you have any thoughts about this, Chris? Because I've been talking, I feel like, for 30 minutes.
1: You know, and it all started that he was just standing there exercising his First Amendment right with an AR-15.
0: And, you know, the interesting thing is, um, so the the biggest thing that the prosecution has to prove right now is um, that Kyle provoked the incident, that he provoked the actions by the other people. Because in self-defense, you know, if I walked up to Chloe and we didn't know each other. And I'm carrying my firearm, and I punch Chloe in the face, and chase her. She subsequently pulls out her firearm to stop me from attacking her, and then I shoot her. That's not self-defense. I am not going to get self-defense for that because I provoked the situation. So they are saying the defenses um, in their closing state, or the, the excuse me, the prosecution in their closing statements today. They said that the provocation by Kyle was that he was walking around. And he was essentially muzzle flagging random people on the street. And that was why, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting his name. The first guy, Uh, the guy that attacked him first, um, they all have weird names, Rosenbaum. Uh, That was why Rosenbaum decided to, he saw Kyle, this is on FBI drone footage. He sees Kyle, he runs and hides behind several vehicles, waits for Kyle to walk past him, and then initiates the chase with Kyle. And like I said, this is all on video. The prosecution was saying that Ro- Rosenbaum running behind the cars was him hiding from Kyle. <laughs> and but, then he pursued Kyle after hiding from him.
1: But why does he need a, an AR-15 at a protest?
0: Well, then that's, that's another big thing. Um, and... I think that's talked about a lot by the by the prosecution about how, you know, uh, Kyle inserted himself into the situation. He should have known better. There's no reason for him to be there. And obviously the defense uh, says he had every right to be there just as much as all the protesters and looters had every right to be there. Um, and, you know, you can argue whether or not they did. Um, but the the fact of the matter is everybody was there. Um, and it's also your right as a. United States citizen and as a citizen of Wisconsin to carry your firearm as long as you're legally allowed to carry it and open carry it. And, um, yeah, you know, we can talk about Kyle's intentions. Uh, He said he was acting as a EMT. I don't believe he was a certified EMT at the time of the incident, although he said he was. That was another thing. The prosecution was saying that he's a liar because he walked around saying he was an EMT. Yeah, fair enough. But I don't think that makes any bearing on, you know, him trying to kill people. Like that, that's, this is what first degree reckless homicide is. This is him going around saying, I'm going to kill somebody today and I'm just going to wait till someone, you know, shouts at me or talks to me wrong and I'm going to shoot him and I'm going to claim self-defense. That's, that's not what this was. Um, ever since I saw the, this case, it was a clear cut self-defense case in my opinion. And I am honestly, I've been disgusted ever since they decided to charge him and, and seeing this slimy um, like I don't know how to describe him, but almost you know bitter prosecutor, go around about the law and around uh, around about um agreed upon, um precedent to somehow uh, say that Kyle was a uh, a um, a ma- a mass shooter, an active shooter, and that he was provoked simply that that um, Rosenbaum was provoked simply by Kyle's presence with the weapon is absolutely ridiculous and. I'm honest i i i will I will be very very angry um, if the jury comes back with a guilty verdict, and I'll be very suspicious of a of a bias um, and influenced jury in that case because if you're simply looking at the facts of the case, the state has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Kyle did not fear for his own life it doesn't matter if it was reasonable or not for first degree reckless homicide. The prosecution has to prove that Kyle did not fear for his life or did not fear that he was going to be harmed physically. Like, it's called grievous bodily harm. He had to experience those fears, and it doesn't matter if they're reasonable fears or not. For first-degree reckless homicide, you, they have to argue that he didn't feel those at all, that he was just there and he decided, oh, he's running at me, I'm going to shoot him. And thats I don't see how they could prove that based upon the facts in the case. So I guess we'll see tomorrow, and you guys will have already seen how this turned out. Um, man, I'm, I'm really interested. I, don't, I really didn't get to see the defense's closing arguments, but um, I saw the rebuttal to the prosecutors, and um, they, they made some very good points. Although I feel like the defense, the defense attorney was almost nervous. Um, he was shaking. His hands were shaking quite a bit um, when he was trying to manipulate the PowerPoint. And that was kind of a, a hard thing
3: for him, apparently. <laughs> so, this would
1: definitely know. be one. This would be interesting to watch for sure. Did yeah. you
3: not see the ironic picture of the prosecutor holding a rifle that went around? Oh, yeah. Well, see, that's Them the other pointing a rifle with the finger on the trigger. With the finger on the trigger at the at audience. The jury. Yeah. Oh, gosh.
2: My favorite was when um, he was asking Rittenhouse the other day, he was like, have you ever played like first person shooter games? And he's like, yeah,
3: who hasn't? Oh, and that's,
0: yeah. So that's the other thing. The, the, the prosecutor. So any, all that played call of duty, like older call of duty, the original ones, right? Call of duty, modern warfare. There was a perk called FMJ full metal jacket, right? And it made your bullets penetrate through about every concrete wall on the entire map. And you could, you could dome people through, you know, steel, uh, with full metal jacket, completely unrealistic. Uh, the prosecutor was arguing that because Kyle Rittenhouse chose to have full metal jacket rounds in his AR-15, that he was going looking for trouble because full metal jacket, that can, that can penetrate body armor. That can penetrate vehicles. And,
3: and, and then the whole hollow point thing. Why weren't you using hollow point? Exactly.
0: And you know what he actually argued? For the, uh, uh, Grosskreutz, the guy who pulled the gun on Kyle and in the end got his bicep blown off. He had one round in the chamber of his Glock, and they were all hollow points. And he argues saying that Grosskreutz, Grosskreutz was more responsible because he carried hollow points, because hollow points stop in their target. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong, but it's a stupid argument because bullets are bullets. If, you shoot, if I were to shoot Chris sitting right next to me, it doesn't matter what hollow point or what type FNJ, of bullet I've got. I can have whatever exotic, crazy round with, like, you know— like twenty two gauge um bird shot or something like that it's gonna it's gonna hurt and it's gonna probably gonna kill him especially if it's coming out of an a r fifteen at you know over thousand like two thousand feet per second and it's it's a it's a moot point and it's ridiculous that, and they're that, just trying to make him look bad in front of an uneducated jury in my opinion
2: that reminded me of another thing that the prosecutor said that he was like um you know like what he was basically asking renthouse what bullets he used and rent house reported the bullets and then he's like and uh do you understand what these what these do and he's like yeah and he's like well what was the reason you chose those he's like he they said they're bullets they, they, wanted, go with the he gun. Said they were like, in the, mag. They they were were on in the mag and he was like okay and he, he asked him another question about them he's like i don't i don't know like a bullet is a bullet like it's When it hits something, it's, like, going to hit it. Like, I don't know what you're asking me because I don't know how to answer And
0: he also said um, he was – once again, another cool thing about this trial, Kyle Rittenhouse himself took the stand and was interrogated by the prosecution. And and most of the time when you have a trial like this, it's dumb to let your witness – your your, um, defendant take the stand. But he was so sure about his innocence. I suppose he decided he was going to take the stand. He did a bang up job about it. Uh, other than, other than he broke down a little bit and cried. You know, had a little bit of mental mental breakdown during part of it. They took a recess for they that. They took a recess. Yeah. He he composed himself after that and came and came back up. And but anyway, what I wanted to say is when the prosecution was asking him about why he was running, there was a video of him running with a fire extinguisher, and it essentially there was a large dumpster on fire and Kyle was running with this fire extinguisher to go put it out, okay? So the prosecution is like, um, so, what you got there? It's a fire extinguisher. He's like, what for? There's a fire. Fire.
2: To ride on it?
0: Yeah, and and, and literally he, he, says, he says, so what's the rush? And he said,
3: there's a fire.
0: fire. <laughs> it's like, because it's a, it's so
3: ridiculous. The I'm questions going to take to a to Sunday lead stroll asking. with my fire extinguisher towards yeah. this dumpster you that's on fire. You also didn't
2: mention earlier that the judge actually had to stop the prosecution at one point during the trial because he was just asking... The most ridiculous questions that had nothing to do with it, like, not that it didn't have anything to do with the trial, but it was trying to get other things that weren't relevant. And I don't even know
0: which which incident you're talking about because it happened so there many was times. so many of them. The one that I talked about was the constitutional issue I told Chris about. But there's so many times in this in this trial where the judge had to stop the prosecutor because he was saying something that was not allowed, and it's tainting the jury. And this is this is horrible. I, I, if I really hope that if there is a guilty verdict, the judge will issue a directed verdict and say, "Look, no, th- by fact and matter of law, this cannot go forward." Um, but I really don't even know if that's going to happen. Um, I, I'll be very surprised if he is convicted of first degree reckless homicide. I'm I feel less sure about whether or not he's going to get any of the lesser sentences, but. I guess we'll see if he gets a perfect um, uh, a perfect self-defense case, then he should be acquitted from every charge Um, because everything after including the reckless endangerment charges. If he has if he acted in self-defense, he did not act recklessly. That's the definition of self-defense. So
2: I also believe that I read that one of the jurors a few days ago was um, what do you call it? well told to leave the case because, yeah he was dismissed yeah he was dismissed um because when he was walking out of the court one day he had made a joke um in regards to one of the uh, people that rent had uh believe shot. it was
0: um rosenbaum
2: and so he had made a joke about it and the judge found out about it through like social media i believe is how he found out
0: oh you know and the other thing uh, like uh, rosenbaum by the way um was a convicted uh child rapist what do you know um wow what a lovely Tragedy. individual now obviously they haven't been able to say this in the trial um because is it relevant to the fact that he was killed not really however um if we were to pick people that you know we would want to put in front of an ar 15 if it was happening to go off and it had to hit somebody Chuck's
3: darn it just
0: i would have, to have loved to pick the child rapist or... and stuck him right in front of that gun and what's uh, worse
2: than a child
3: a I mean, a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> I what? It up.
0: You got that. you Oh man, you got that What's one worse than a rapist. A child. A child. I hope, no, I, I,
2: hope I continue to entertain with my my yeah. incorrectly and ordered it's just, I mean, this, words. This
0: trial has been insane. I can't even. I, I I thought of something earlier that I really wanted to say about it, but I mean, there's just so much stupid. We could have a whole episode on it. Well yeah, we might have to when the verdict comes down. We might have to come in for a special episode. Yeah, about.
1: follow us next week for yeah, seriously. A Rittenhouse House trial. Yeah. That's insane.
0: It's 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 a whole I mean, it's going to define self-defense um law uh depending on what happens in this case. Um and you know, it honestly I've thought about is this going to be if he does get off, is this going to be a green light for people to defend themselves from rioters um and maybe turn up some non-self-defense cases of people actually shooting without justification it's very possible um if he doesn't get off there probably will be riot. Or they if he does get off there will probably be riots if not in kenosha but in other parts of the country if he uh, doesn't
3: there will be riots if there if he does there will be riots i'm sure because yeah, they were just going to riot anyway they, they
0: want him to be executed and that's the only good outcome for the, for those people so it is what it is
1: well you know what if that didn't piss you off my next article is going to really piss you off oh dear so, and you said this would happen, and it's, it's happening. And I said this would happen? Yes. This you, is a prediction coming yeah, true? This is a prediction, not oh, in no. this country. Five, but- minutes,
3: five Minute Crafts is taking over Facebook. <laughs> there we go. Oh, is this the um,
1: Australia thing? Austria. Austria, okay. Austria has placed 2 million unvaccinated people on partial lockdown. And uh, neighboring Germany has reintroduced free coronavirus testing, but the the more important thing is, um, unvaccinated people in Austria will only be allowed to leave their homes for work, food shopping, or emergencies beginning on Monday. Uh, police are conducting spot checks of digital vaccine certificates, and there's skepticism about how effective the lockdown can be enforced. Obviously,
0: um, well, yeah, uh, if you have million people, people, if you have enough people with guns pointing it at those folks and those folks don't have guns you can enforce it
1: this is austria where glock is made so i'm sure they have guns right
0: oh yeah they have good guns as well
1: Um, can you imagine though like two million people being told you can't leave because you haven't had a vaccine
0: is it any surprise that i'm not surprised by this i mean Um, you
2: predicted
0: it i I, I didn't predict it in austria but i knew it was going to happen you predicted it in general It's certainly, I mean, it's the next easy progression from this whole, um, you know, think about it this way. This is, if you've ever heard arguments against registering gun owners, right, Um, the big argument against it is, you know, if you, if there's a registration of gun owners, then it's just that easy for them to decide, well, we need to come and take up the guns from all these gun owners. This is the same thing. As soon as it is a national vaccine registry and everyone has to have a vaccine pass And I believe that's what they did in Austria, where they all have a digital vaccine pass that they have to maintain and keep up with. Um, As soon as that's all in place, doesn't matter what happens. Uh, If you choose not to be a part of that program, you're considered unvaccinated and you lose your right to exist in society. Um, And those poor people in Austria, um, all I have to say is come to the United States and vote Republican. That's the best you can do.
1: The borders open.
0: Uh, Yeah, just come through Mexico. That would really, uh, (laughs) that'd really stump them, wouldn't it? People coming through Mexico and voting Republican. Wow, that'd be hilarious. Something, Uh,
1: you know. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this next one, but I I found it, and I and I hate have to throw it in there because we we've talked about um, defunding the police before, and this was a really cool article um, because people have always been screaming about defunding the police, um, and a lot of people have try to take it several steps further and disbanding police departments altogether, but violent crime is rising in cities all across the country. Um, So really disbanding police departments is not a viable option, but a guy named Charles Ramsey, who's a a former distinguished visiting fellow of the Lindy Institute for urban innovation at Drexel university Hmm. um, who served as the commissioner of the Philadelphia police department from 2008 to 2016 wrote this really cool, um, article, and it basically has six points to, um, I guess, fixing um, policing. And I, I found it very fascinating. He was also the uh, co-chair of President Obama's task force on 21st twenty poli- first poli- century policing. Um, I have a friend that listens to this uh, podcast who is an ex-officer, and he and I, uh, we eat lunch on occasion. We have a lot of discussion about uh, the policing world, and um, he- he'll appreciate this. But these are these are six bullet points on fixing policing, and I just want to, I want to read them because I find it very fascinating. But um, do we think these six things would, would fix the, the, the policing? And this is the question. Mm, okay. Number one, police agencies must better recruit and hire a diverse workforce, people with the psychological makeup and analytical skills necessary to handle the trauma and complexity associated with policing. Number two... Cities must stop giving away management rights in collective bargaining agreements that make it difficult to hold officers accountable for their actions. Number 3. Educational programs that emphasize concepts like fair, impartial, and constitutional policing and procedural justice must become a part of police training. 4. It is equally vital that officers learn the damaging history of policing in America and the impact on the poor and communities of color. Five, Congress must act and establish national standards that cover the use of force, training, leadership development, certification for police officers, deputy sheriffs, and police agencies. And lastly, we must all work together to rid policing of those that abuse their authority and treat community members with disrespect. Establish a national database containing the names of officers who have been found guilty of serious misconduct or who have been fired to prevent them from seeking employment in other law enforcement agencies.
0: So So I definitely don't agree with the last three. Okay. Um, The first three, I think we could work with them. I think I can get on board with them. The problem with the first one, in my opinion, is recruiting – the best and brightest policing minds out there that have wonderful moral standards and and uh, they're so aware of legal precedents and and uh, the way a community is has been um uh, what the stressors and and traumas the community's experienced in the past man this is like This is like with those job applications that say, you know, we're looking for um, a flexible young individual who is able to travel a ton. Um, Matt, we we require a doctorate degree and at least twenty years of experience in this field. It's like you're never going to find enough people to do the job. Like you want that first rule to be applied, especially right now when police are demonized. They're, it's it's probably the least desirable position um, to be in in the United States and because of that you're getting police officers hired that are not necessarily fit for the job um, whether that's mentally or physically because they have they, they have a hiring shortage no one wants to be a police officer not not nearly as much as before um, and You're going to have a hard time applying the first standard. But should you
1: still hire people who don't have the the analytical skills, quoting right from this, and the ability to handle trauma and the complexity associated? I mean, should you still hire people that are are not
0: able to handle the job? Well, what choice do you have? I mean, you have the choice of either not hiring those who uh, or only hiring some that fit those categories and having immense shortages in workers. Um, because most of the, most of those good officers have either retired by now, the experienced ones, um, that maybe had, you know, 10 more years in the force, maybe five, they're all retiring because they don't want to be part of it anymore. And how, who's going to train all these new officers that may not have those experiences. The thing is, is these things, they can be learned, trauma processing, stuff like that. Those are skills that can be learned. It's not for everybody. Um, but, but you
1: have to be, well, you but you can't teach that to everybody. You have to have the, you have, not everybody can be trained to do things. Sure. No, not I get everybody, that. You have to have the psychological but makeup it's learned, to be able to handle
0: it. You can be taught how to better process those things. Um, but you know, cause no one is born a police officer, right? You have to learn throughout your life. You have to pick up those skills and then you fit in that career and then you follow it. Um, but it's becoming so, so it's not becoming. It's not desirable enough of a career anymore, uh, especially because they're being defunded. You know, they're not getting paid uh, what they probably should be uh, in in these uh, these areas that are getting defunded, um, and they also have no one looking out for them. You know, if they can, if they do something wrong, they stand to be thrown in jail and just locked up and turned into a scapegoat for all the other police issues in the area. I mean, it doesn't sound to me like a good career at all anymore. And so putting out this huge, very detailed and stringent um, set of job requirements uh, is only going to further stress the industry of policing. And yeah, it's awesome to shoot for that, but you got to fix a lot of other things before we can actually get to that point. Number one, the, public perception of police, and that needs to be done in a lot of different ways, and it needs to be a cooperation of not just community leaders and police departments themselves, but the media. They're mainly responsible for the um, the destruction of the reputation of the police, um, at least in these past few years. So the last three, I, could you read those last three again? Because I was just like so flabbergasted by the first one. I'm like...
1: Yeah, equally vital that officers learn the damaging history of policing in America and the impact on the poor and communities of color. Congress must act and establish national standards that cover the use of force, training, leadership development, certification for police officers, deputy sheriffs, and police agencies. And lastly, all must work together to rid policing of those that abuse their authority and treat community members with disrespect. Okay. Establish a national database containing the names of officers who have been found guilty of serious misconduct. Or who have been fired to prevent them from seeking employment in other law enforcement agencies. Yeah,
0: no. And anytime you tell me national database of people, yeah. that's a bad idea. Uh, you think I don't so? care what it is. And and now the only the only exception I think maybe is sex offenders, and we already have that. Um, and it works very well. It works to suppress those people, and it works to keep them from getting jobs. And you can argue whether or not that's a good thing in the end, but it has to be done in some cases for certain dangerous people. But if
1: you have a bad egg officer who is guilty of misconduct and he gets fired for that, do you think that he should be able to move across country and get another job at another agency and continue to do the same thing?
0: I think if police departments did their due diligence and they called police the previous employment areas of that officer, um, because I'm pretty sure there's some sort of training is there is there a centralized training, you know, database similar to the way the fire department works? Um do we know that? But you can't
1: on a on a on a job reference, you can't say that this officer did this or that. You no. can only say if you would rehire somebody or not. What? Yes. If you if if you got called for a job reference and, and say you did something just completely egregious and stupid and you got fired for it, and and they called your, your former job for a reference, uh huh, they can't say Oh, you know, Jess came in one day and and did this and you know, he got fired. Why can't
0: that they can't say that? can't be disclosed. Why uh, not? Because it's it's against the law.
1: The only thing they can tell an a, a employer validating is are you rehireable or not?
0: Is it it's against the law? Yes. What what law? I'm, I I've never heard of that.
1: Yes, we can Google that. Okay. Well, I, as far, it's, uh, I, I can't quote you the law, but is, as long as I've been in business giving job references can only be are you rehirable
0: or not? Well, if that's the case, then they probably need to change that law um, because I think it's free exchange of information well, between no. two businesses. Well, sure,
1: except unless you're, you were fired for something that was not of your doing and you wouldn't want the employer to say – I mean, that could backfire. That could go both ways.
0: Well, it can go both ways, but one way is – passing on bad employees, and in this case, bad police officers, to other agencies. Well, that's what they're asking for. But that's a national database. Well, sure.
1: If if I'm a police department and I had to fire an officer for egregious misconduct, and I can't tell an employer that calls to verify that he did something stupid, and I can only say, no, we can't rehire him. But if I can put his name in a database that you can
0: check. If you're doing a national database, you're basically doing the exact same thing that you would do if they just called your department and you told them, "Yeah, we had to fire him because he did this." Uh, that's the exact same outcome, in my opinion. They're they're and getting
1: around the law that says, "Yeah, you can't disclose that in a in a." But the job reference.
0: The problem with a national database managed by the federal government is that I don't believe the federal government should be into that kind of thing. I don't think that there should be a list that you can get your name put on that could prevent you. Um, with uh, let me let me clarify, there should not be a list. That you get your name put on without being adjudicated by a court to be guilty of a crime, where it can prevent you from be from getting jobs, from from um, from flying, stuff like that. Unless you've it been does in a courtroom, say found
1: guilty. It, it does. That's exactly what it says, though. You have to have been found guilty of a serious misconduct.
0: Okay, but that's not a, that's not a law. There's not a serious. There's no serious misconduct in the law. The, that's why I'm suspicious of it. Because yeah, if it said found guilty of a crime. That would be fine. But this says, found guilty of serious misconduct. We can say that if I did something wrong at my job and I get caught, they can find me guilty of misconduct and put me on that list. I'm not a police officer, but I'm just saying, if there, let's say there was a there was an IT blacklist, and if I messed up something at my work, my my employer could just say, all right, you know what? Uh, we're going to fire you, and sorry about your luck, but we're going to put you on the IT blacklist. Well, guess what? I've, I, I don't have anywhere to go now. What am I going to do? turn to drugs or something because i had to, that's my entire career. You know, that's the same thing with these officers. I'm not saying that they deserve a second chance, somebody but I don't believe to, that Somebody
1: you, has to define the level of misconduct. If an officer is, uh, for example, taking bribes, I mean, you know, who I, I don't know who sets the level—this is hypothetical, this is a suggestion, but who sets the level of misconduct? If an officer is taking bribes,
0: I mean— And there's the problem. The level of misconduct, if you're putting it in the in the hands of the federal government, it can be easily changed depending on what political party is in power. And you might have waves of people that maybe one side leans anti-police. They make certain misconducts applicable to those lists. Maybe they force departments to report those things. You get tons and tons of officers that are maybe wrongfully put on this list. And then they have to be, they, they lose their career. It and now we have a higher, an even bigger shortage of officers. And who's to say these people don't learn their lessons, Chris? I mean, I, people do change. People do get better. This is not a sex offenders list. Sex offender list, these people are convicted of crimes against children, usually, or and they're put on this list to warn other people. This is a national list where, not private companies, but Companies that hire folks can go look and apply people to that list who have not been through a court of law, where they've said, "Hey, because you've done this, you lose a certain right." So now we're now we're giving the the right to employers, well, I guess government em- entities, to put your name on a list and revoke a right from you, a, a right to to freely work right in your in your um, field. Now that's not a constitutional right per se, but I'd say it's my right to go to another job and like you said before, not fear that they call my ex-employer and they tell all my dirty laundry to that employer and I lose I don't get the new job. Yeah, it's the same thing, but it's even worse because it's just a name. You know, it's just an easy thing. It's so much easier to put a name in a list on a government form than to actually tell someone over the phone this is what this person did. So I don't know. I, I I definitely do not agree with that. I don't think that's a good idea at all.
1: It certainly needs to have a very um, a, a definite um, uh, list of what are the um, uh, serious misconducts. Something and-
2: else that like neither of you kind of touched on was like if that was a thing. Like, what if it's like the guy that runs the department is the corrupt one, and you're they, yeah, you know point. It, the, the other officers are trying to make a better department, and he fires them and then puts them on that list and it's, you know, your word against the yeah, there has but, to be checks and balances. So, like, there's also that pause. That was the first thing I thought. of, was like somebody could very easily like falsely accuse somebody else. And there's or something. a
1: commission. I mean, there's a post commission in every state, so it may not be the actual, you know, the the chief of a department logging into a website and typing, you know, Bob Smith on a website. It's probably the post commission or the law enforcement committee of a state who determines that you know an officer is losing their post status, now, so they're going to this website. This is now, all look, hypothetical.
0: If, if this officer was involved in a crime, right? They did something. They in in infringed upon the rights of somebody else and they were either civilly let's even civil court let's say they it's a lawsuit thing you get taken to civil court saying that you violated someone's rights and you get adjudicated for damages then maybe you can get put on a some on something like this i don't like the idea that there's just a list right and we can we can postulate that oh well there's need to be checks and balances all day but what are those and how in the world do we make a decision like that without going in front of a judge, in front of a court of law, and having a fair jury to make a decision whether or not you deserve to be on that list. So what was the real quick before you back out of that, uh, read the read the middle one. And I think the fourth one, I disagree less with that when I did the first time around, um talking about the history of policing and stuff like that. You know, you know
1: the sad thing is there's it's kind of six, a morale kicker. So there, there's six, so that didn't have a middle one.
0: Okay, the fifth one, I mean. I'm talking about the ones I didn't like.
1: Uh, Congress must act and establish national standards that cover the use of force training, leadership development, certification for police officers, deputy sheriffs, and police agencies. Yeah, no, that's, that's national an overreach. Standards.
0: That's an overreach by the uh, federal government, in my opinion. That national needs, standards? Needs to be kept in the state. All um, right.
1: It's equally vital that officers learn the damaging history of policing in America and the impact on the poor and communities of color.
0: I'm not a fan of that one, but I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with that yeah i i've you
1: know i have personal history with that so i'm gonna say i, I totally agree with that the, yeah. the first, i mean
0: if anything it's a morale kicker but I, yeah whatever uh, if you want to teach them if you want to make wall. them take a class stonewall boom, yeah whatever
1: i want to say stonewall what does that mean that's all i'm saying uh, it's, 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 it's google stonewall you'll okay. understand that, okay. that that's why that is needed um Stonewall writes uh, going back one educational programs that emphasize concepts like fair impartial and constitutional policing and procedural justice must be must become part of police training Sounds fine to me and cities must stop giving away management rights in collective bargaining agreements that make it difficult to hold officers accountable for their actions.
0: That's an anti police union. I don't
1: I have yeah, we yeah. I don't know of any departments that have unions, so I can't really comment on that. But you know, is it hard to say that you you don't think that should be I, holding officers accountable for their actions? I don't
0: on? I don't usually like unions to be honest. Um we could talk about the whole union thing that just happened with Joe Biden, actually. Um uh, he just passed um, – actually, no, this was – I think this was passed in Congress as part of the infrastructure bill. So Congress and Joe Biden um, just passed a, a, um, a rule uh, that says that um, union-based automotive manufacturers get double the tax credit for electric vehicles. So GM, Ford um, – uh, what's the other big one? Toyota. Those, those – Manufacturers that are union based, not Tesla, by the way, um, they get a huge double, like essentially double their tax credit. So, like if six thousand to twelve thousand dollars per vehicle, um, that is the biggest I think union just handout that I've ever seen, and I think that is so unfair for places like Tesla who have engineered the electric car industry, who have have, have piloted their our way towards. Viable electric vehicles. And now they're being stabbed in the back by the federal government just to protect a bunch of union interests. I mean, I, I hate unions at this point because I'm just like, there there should be no, there should be no, the government should not be tipping their, putting their thumb on the scale of the economy, on the scale of fair market um, trade to benefit one company over the other just because they're unionized. Uh, That is the – oh, it just makes me sick. Uh, That is the biggest corrupt thing that I think I've seen pass the, the United States Congress in a while.
1: Yep. So Grant, you brought something today. Let's let's move into that.
2: Can I just state that okay. Grant has been watching cake making videos and parkour videos right, this entire time, and I just kept looking at him like, ooh, you something know what that different. Means? Something different.
1: Next week, you better jump into this place on the wall. I or the better cake.
3: do some like serious like ninja move stuff. Is what you're asking, and bring a cake <laughs> and make a cake while doing it. Yes, while doing it. While doing it, like, must come in with cake. And all right, never mind. We'll we'll bring this to the table next week as I do it. I have brought something in the room that only us here can see, but Jess kind of knows what it is. We're going to start with a question to Jess because he's looked at it a couple times. What do you think that is? It looks like a a Glock 17 in a holster. All right. Now I'm going to give a title of a few stories, and then we're going to proceed from there. Okay. Florida teen killed by police was pointing airsoft rifle at drivers officers authorities say maryland trooper shoots kills teenager who had airsoft gun police says teen shot dead after aiming toy gun at maryland state police troopers so since uh jess can't quite figure out how to get it open because oh, was i wasn't a little trying confusing. to get it open i was just, just checking the it. weight yeah. just so people know it is Clear because it's an airsoft gun, but even then it's still clear. I just took the mag out of it, and it is in
1: fact an airsoft absolutely an airsoft gun that looks just like a Glock. I have a
0: I have a Glock, and if you set this thing next to my Glock, I would not be able to tell you that this was a airsoft
3: gun.
1: Now draw attention to the fact that it did come with an orange barrel. Um, a tip that has been that removed. That has been since removed. Yes, which, which is, is why is a people very, get shot.
3: Very common practice. Yes, in, in the airsoft world. Yes. I, I cannot name. A, I've played airsoft at multiple airsoft arenas, and there's not... It even takes one, down like a lock.
0: It, Holy it, crap. It's, yes. it's a one I just replica. took this thing down, and it literally. I, I mean, if, if I did not know what airsoft was. I would think this is some weird that Glock a, that shoots like twenty two or yes, something like
1: that. Outside of the fact that there's a CO two cartridge in the magazine it's a little that weird looks like together. and that broke down like a real Glock. And it's got a tiny barrel on it and it shoots little plastic BBs.
0: Yeah, I'm like I'm yeah. So This
1: I, is exactly why people get shot by the police.
0: Yeah. If you're walking around with it like all right, look, I was when I was a kid, yeah, I every once in a while I'd walk around with an airsoft gun on my hip and it was a pistol. But it was clear you could see through it. Right. Right? It, it shot Airsoft BBs, and that's the reason I had now it. Now
1: these kids want to play Airsoft with real-looking guns yep. and I, take the orange tip off of it. And
0: look, I get it. Airsoft is cool, and uh, this, is, this is really it's cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's,
3: it's really light, too, which is kind of interesting. It actually has a slide hold, like a slide stop. Yep. So on final shot, exactly like a real gun, you, if you put that mag in it right now and pull that trigger, that slide should lock back on final shot exhibit crowd. a well, don't shoot it in the studio it's <laughs> clear we made sure it was clear this was not is clear. Alec well, listen, baldwin yeah, said. not yeah. alec Baldwin's alec baldwin set. <laughs> I, I checked Where's the, the gun, safety baldwin. team stop uh, it is safe i checked it i know I'm how to sorry. do that okay
0: so I, we've we've just found out that
3: the grant was the armorer at the alec baldwin set um, hey um <laughs> except hey no one got shot with that one that is true all right i'm going to read a little bit of the story just for a little bit of context, a 6 year old boy who was shot and killed by a Maryland state trooper was a honor student who loved cooking. With uh, the, the, A written statement from family doesn't address the circumstances of the kid's encounter with the trooper who shot him Tuesday afternoon outside a home near the state police barracks. And I'm not even going to pronounce the name of the town because it is some weird name. Uh, well, we can show it later. Instead the family statement focused on their memories of him and his academic and personal achievements. The police union, this is a unionized, a witness said Ham and the drive ham and the driver of a home in a shooting stance pointing the gun at the trooper who fired at the teenager and wounded him. So he was pointing this firearm at I'm pointing, gonna call
0: it a firearm. Yeah, I, it looks like a firearm. If 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 you would have had this, and here's the funny thing. When I walked into the studio this afternoon, Grant had that setting on um, the table like this. And, and no, it was it, it was, was in the holster, but naturally it was, and it was the holster. Holstered weapon was pointed. The barrel was pointed towards the people in the studio. And I naturally walked past it and rotated you stood it.
3: Behind, he stood behind me because he was uncomfortable of it.
0: I, I rotated it so that it was not pointing towards the people. Even though it's sitting on the, on, the, on the table, you don't ever want to point a barrel of a loaded firearm towards people. And every firearm is loaded until you check it. Um, but yeah, so th- why was this kid pointing an air, a realistic-looking airsoft gun at this officer? Do we know That's why? Po- no.
1: So here's the question because I don't know a lot about well I've played airsoft before but I'm, I come from paintball. So I mean obviously you can't you can't mistake a paintball gun for a gun gun but the the more I see airsoft guns look real how old do you have to be to buy an airsoft gun?
3: I am 17 years old. There's an exception to this one. This one requires a special license to be able to do it or paperwork to show that you can do it. But I can go onto Amazon, evike.com, which is a large seller of airsoft guns, and purchase any airsoft gun. So as a
1: 17-year-old, you can buy I've done it an since airsoft I was gun it looks 15. like an absolute real gun.
3: And here, here's a little bit of statistics. But they
1: come, they all come with an orange tip. They
3: all come with an orange tip. That you can just take off. But here's statistics, and then I'll explain some of the law behind it. In 2020, there was at least 245 people killed who were carrying toy guns. Hmm. At least. So by police officers
0: or by everyone? It just says... By anybody. People okay. killed. So mistaken uh, civilians as well. Yes. Probably seeing people chasing
3: someone with a toy gun.
1: Well, if you showed up on my door with that, pointed at me, heck yeah. It happened
3: in... It's been a couple months ago. It was actually last school year, I believe, at Carroll Oakland. Carroll Oakland High School was put into a lockdown because there was kids playing airsoft in the woods behind the school.
0: And it looked like real weapons. And they
3: looked like real guns. But some of the law regarding the orange tip, the orange tip is required by the manufacturer to be put on the gun during the manufacture, sale, and shipment of the gun. There's no law stating that the orange tip must stay in place. That's the only reason I took it off because it stuck but, an inch and a half off the front of the barrel, and it looked atrocious, and I play indoor airsoft. It and It made it look wrecked. like a not-real gun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Who wants a gun that doesn't I, orange tip?
3: And I told myself, after I took the orange tip off, removed it, and I've used it a couple times, played with it a couple times, I'm purchasing an orange barrel for it, because I do not want to be part of the next statistic. Yep. You look at this gun. If I came or, if I got pulled over for some reason on my way to airsoft, because I tend to put on a fair bit of my gear on before I go play. Oh gosh!
0: <laughs> oh no!
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: you should reconsider
1: I, that. Yeah, you would I kind of have. To jail. I kind of have.
3: Uh, if I got pulled over with this in this holster, an officer comes up and looks in my car like every officer does, yep. and sees this on my hip. What's the first thing he's gonna say? Don't touch it. He'd don't touch, touch, touch that. They pull out his and said, don't touch their gun. And I would probably be face down in the ground yep. in handcuffs.
1: No, Grant's probably, first thing he's going to say is it's an airsoft gun. Well, but yes, secondly, but Grant's not going to pull it out and point it at no. him. Exactly. He'd be like, this is not real. So here's,
0: the, here's the thing. Here's the thing with this. Like, I feel like kids that play this stuff and have never been educated about the proper use of real that firearms. That is a large issue. There are yeah. kids
3: who come in and play airsoft that have never touched a gun. And
0: I I guarantee you, unless this kid that was killed in the instance in the article, you had had a suicide um, who was trying to be killed, right? He could have just been just as easily pointing this gun at the officer thinking that he was playing with the officer. Yeah, And the officer shot him because it looked like a
3: a pretty dang real gun. I'm in my backyard. One of my parents' houses is in a residential area. I'm in my backyard just practicing with this thing because I use it as a training tool. It is cheaper to go out back and practice shooting with an airsoft gun yep. than it is to go to a range a pay bit. for ammo. Quite a bit. I mean, a bullet is 45 cents. Mm-hmm. A airsoft BB is point zero zero six cents cents yep. per yep. BB. So I practice with this thing. But if an officer came up and I wasn't paying any attention, no, I wouldn't do this because I have two brain cells hanging around up there <laughs> right but if an officer comes up and i'm practicing with this in my backyard i am not going to turn around and flag the ever no. crap out of that officer or else i will be laying in a puddle but that's the thing i know what is
0: these kids probably There's don't no understand training.
3: it they don't understand that
0: if you are doing this even if it's a fake gun if someone comes up and like tells you hey you don't ever turn around and fling your barrel at them yeah, well see and, and that's the thing that's with just a specific, natural
3: instinct with this specific gun on Evike, you have to prove that you have a license, or you in are in some form of agency, military. And this is the website you purchased yes. it. Okay. So I was able to purchase this gun by showing them my military contract, because right. this gun is for purchase by law enforcement agencies and military personnel only. Okay. Because of its realism, uh-huh. I bought this gun with the exception of a little adaptations to the holster because it's a little bit bigger drops right into any holster
1: but hold on you have to prove that you're a law enforcement officer or in the military to buy that and i could buy a realistic looking ar without yep what's the difference
3: there isn't one it's the manufacturer not all manufacture so okay so this
1: is a responsible manufacturer so this
3: is uh i believe the company is spartan training weapons that i purchased this from now evike is the third party seller but spartan manufactured the gun they have their rules set to sell it and i honestly believe that you should have some form some proof to show i know that i don't need to go walk around a park playing airsoft with my friends with this yeah
0: you know it's this is kind of tough because um and this is when we were originally talking about um, when tennessee was changing the concealed carry um, weapons permit um stuff and they got rid of it in the end. And now in the state of Tennessee, if you're a resident, you have the right to conceal a firearm without any sort of license. Um, and I, I, I said on this podcast, and I'll say it again, I really believe that's a little bit of a mistake. Uh, I think that if it's just like a driver's license, in my opinion, um, you have the right to take your car on your land And drive it up and down that land and wreck it and hurt yourself with it. As long as you don't hurt anybody else with it, you can do whatever the heck you want with that car. But as soon as you take it on a public road, you have a responsibility to the people around you that you know how to operate that vehicle. Um, With the concealed carry permit, I think it's a very similar issue. Um, I get it. We have a right. the The big difference is we have we have a right to possess, own, bear arms. Uh, We don't have a right to own, possess, bear a car, Uh, but. I think it was a good starting point to have the concealed carry permit stuff the way Tennessee had it, where you had to take a class, you had to actually fire your firearm, and an instructor had to see that you
3: could handle your firearm properly before you were allowed to carry in public. And see, that's something like Nashville Airsoft. That's a airsoft field in Nashville that mm-hmm. I go play quite frequently. It's an indoor course. There is extremely strict rules after many, many, many accidents of people accidentally getting. Sh- so there's, it's kind of I'm going to call it the grid because it's a term that I've learned quite frequently in some okay. of the things I do. Before you go play, there's an area where everyone sits They get their gear out, They get their guns ready, their toy guns ready, mm-hmm. not real guns. And there's very strict rules that while I'm on the grid, this gun needs to, when it's loaded, even when it's unloaded, it needs to either be in a holster or have a barrel cover. And if it's in a holster, the mag can be in it. Yeah. But if it's just covered, mag has to be out. You're not allowed to put any ammo in the gun sitting in that room. You can load mags, but you can't physically put a mag in that gun. Yep. Because there has been many instances of kids who don't know anything about guns taking that thing and waving it around with their finger on the trigger and just spraying people. Yep. All in the face, putting eyes out, taking teeth. That. And even though this is a out. toy gun, it is still dangerous. You can put your out with it. Not to reference a so Christmas this gun, story, but um, in particular, that hurts. Shoots yeah. between three hundred fifty and four hundred fps. And Chris had the honor sitting in our sitting in the office to shoot oh, me with it this while we were you guys were bored waiting for us. Yes, <laughs>
1: he he comes in bebopping says that one of the rules of me. I don't play this is airsoft being, is without being shot getting shot, with shot by it.
3: it. Kind of like you don't cops don't carry a taser without getting tased. And he it. says, right.
1: "Do you want to shoot me with it?" And I said, "Yeah." Does a bear poop in the woods?
3: <laughs> but so and there's and Chris can attest to this. It did a decent amount of damage. Yes, it did. That was with a half-empty CO2 container, which is is the gas that propels the BB. wow. And it left a pretty sizable red welt on my back. Yes, it did. Ouch. Yeah. And imagine that same BB with some... I mean, I've seen kids... As long as the parent signs the waiver, I've seen a six-year-old playing Airsoft. (laughs) That's crazy. It's ridiculous. Anyone can go play. Yeah. So i I saw a six-year-old flagging his gun around. Could you imagine that year with this gun pointing that at your eye and shooting it? Yeah, I it mean, would put your eye out. They put it on everything. Of course, I removed the warning label because looks, but the warning label same as nerf guns. you look at nerf guns and they don't say they say don't point it at the face don't shoot it at people's faces right says on this nerf guns can put your eyes out mm. Mm-hmm. Soaking this in a lot easier and a lot more accurate. And where
0: I was going was, you know, it almost is the point now, if we keep having kids killed for not knowing how to handle these weapons, obviously, first and foremost is the responsibility of the parents to train your children if you're allowing them to purchase these things, how to use them.
3: You need to treat it like a real firearm. There needs to be stricter buying guidelines. It's like, I'm going to take this and make it safer. This, uh, once I get the money, because it's kind of expensive to do it, because I'm going to do it right the bottom part of this grip is going to be orange. The bottom of the mag is going to be orange. He's the turning the gun me.
0: orange because they can't see. We, you guys Because see it, I don't yeah. want
3: to be pulled over by an officer with this on my hip, on the way to play airsoft, or on my way from leaving airsoft. Or and bo- you
0: get to chew on dirt for about 20 minutes.
3: Yeah, and have real guns pointed at me, which is not a comfortable experience. I've never personally have it done, but it's already uncomfortable enough doing yep. trainings with these things pointed at you. I don't want to know what it's like when you have... A nine millimeter bullet with plenty of gunpowder behind it to put it through you. Quite simply, Mm -hmm. point it at me. I don't want that, so I want to make sure this is safe. I almost
0: wonder if there needs to be a class similar to the concealed carry permit. The you know rest in peace concealed carry permit. Oh my gosh! See, but the problem is, is, is this is such a you would there would be so much resistance from the industry. You have to come
1: up with classes to fight stupidity. I mean, it's you get you, you buy a gun that looks real. And you cut off the orange and then you pointed at a police officer. What do you think is going to happen?
0: Well, it's like the hunter safety course, right? You have the right to go hunt on your property, but if you're a kid, you got to take the hunter safety course. Uh, I, actually, I don't like, think everyone has to take the hunter safety course yep. to legally hunt in Tennessee. Yep. So, you know what? Maybe the state has to act. Maybe they have to... And I don't know if we have a problem with this in this state or not, but... It's a um, problem in general. And, I mean, you know, maybe there, there does have to have a, a safety course. Maybe airsoft um, match providers, right, those locations you go to, maybe they can provide it. Maybe it's
3: like a quick hour they do, class. There is courses that help teach gun safety. And, and that's it, a great thing about airsoft. This is almost... It's the closest you can get to one-to-one of a Glock 17. And I much rather, and I feel like an a reasonable adult because I'm only 17, but a reasonable adult would want to take something like this and use it to teach someone who hasn't touched yeah, a gun. and that makes sense. Because I'd rather get flagged by a plastic BB yep. than a real gun.
0: And, you know, the funny thing is, is like, you know, I was raised around guns all my life and it's been ingrained into my soul the proper way to handle a firearm. And so, like, for example, Chloe and I went to see a a play last weekend and um at this play uh there was a, a a fake firearm on stage and and she knew from using this firearm before. Um, that is a, it is definitely a prop gun. There is no barrel. It is a big chunk of metal, chunk o metal. It's actually um, a chunk of wood. A chunk it's of wood, it's a big wood. chunk
2: of wood, and then it has metal pieces. But it's like it, if you went up close to it, you'd be like, "Wow, that's the fakest yeah. gun." But I it think looks I've pretty, seen.
0: looks pretty real on stage. Uh, the actor is walking around with it, flagging the audience, and um, with with her finger on the trigger. And I leaned over to Chloe and I was like finger off the trigger
2: <laughs> i looked at see, him no first i looked at we both looked at each other and i said alec baldwin in the building and then he said finger on the trigger and i'm like yep
3: but see the minute even just with this gun well he didn't know that it was fake or real He, did you think it was a real gun when i you did in? when i walked in and it, i literally
0: turned it just for safety reasons I, but the I minute
3: it. he pulled out the holster he had already dropped the mag. He already had pulled the slide back and he had already pointed it in a safe direction. Cause at the time to- uh, he figured it out as soon as the mag came out, it's got a big silver cartridge. Well, when I pulled out of it. the holster,
0: I could feel the weight difference, but that's just cause I've held a gun like that before. So, but yeah, it's a natural instinct to, you know, if I pick up a weapon, mag comes out, I open the chamber and clear it. That's normal for me, but it's not normal for everybody. And we can go back
3: to the Alec Baldwin case It's not normal for people that are handling real guns in Hollywood. And now this is something that could have been used in Hollywood. There is, there's a guy, I I have a picture of him, I'll show you later. Played airsoft with, coolest guy ever. He walked around with two six shooters and a cowboy hadn't played airsoft. (laughs) Coolest thing ever. That's my dude. I'm telling you, like he was running, he had a a, uh, short barrel shotgun, I mean, like Terminator type shotgun, but ran around like absolutely smoking people playing airsoft. So much fun. But there is guns like this that would be so much safer to use on sets. Yep, and why that's not because we're not actually using the actual bullets on set most times. We're just using the gun. We shouldn't be. We shouldn't shouldn't be. be. Take notes. Take notes. No No real bullets should be on set. But this is a hundred and ten percent chance that no one's gonna die. Yeah, doesn't mean you can't put an eye out. But, it I mean, this even came with a little piece of plastic you put in the mag so that the slide doesn't lock back. Mm. A little for, barrel flip. Or movie. Yeah. Speaking of movie sets, oh, Lord. Let's,
1: let's movie set into Chloe with pop culture. Ooh. I think maybe
0: she has some more updates
1: on
2: Ooh. that. Oh, hi. Hi. Um, gonna... I have a little bit of an update on Alec Baldwin. Um, there have been a lot of things that have come out with the case and things like that. Um, it has been confirmed that the... Uh, the bullet that came out of the gun was not the only bullet in the gun Um that they what? had opened up. The I'm not. Can you help me? Because I don't know gun terms. So can you? The chamber. It was you. a revolver. Thanks.
0: There were more than one live rounds in the revolver. I don't know if that means it was full, but there was not just one live yeah, round. Yeah, they said in that the there were revolver. multiple.
2: Um, I think we've already reported that there were 500. Uh, live rounds. Live on rounds set. on set uh, around the set, and um. Alec Baldwin at this point really hasn't made any other statements about it. Um, I did find out through reading um, something that I guess the both the armor, the armor, and the mentor to the armor both had only one movie credit before them, two different films, but only one film per each of them. Right. Which I don't know how you can be a mentor and only have one credit behind your name. That's cool that's kind of um,
0: interesting isn't it
2: yes so um it has been confirmed that the bullet uh went through helena the cinematographer and that is that the bullet entered her and then went and hit uh, the director in the shoulder behind her so make, yeah, makes sense. um we weren't sure quite how that had happened and how the bullet got where it was but that was what the the police have confirmed from that. Yeah, so, and
0: bullets, they can bounce and move around. They didn't have to be perfectly lined up for that to happen. But um, yeah, either way, that's terrible. So
2: that's the update I have. I have another thing that I've been looking forward to talking about for the last like two weeks. Um, and that is uh, Astro World. Do you know what that is, Chris?
1: Uh, just from the news.
2: So um, Travis Scott has started this like big raving concert type thing. Uh I think the first one was in 2018. Um and this, this is not like a concert where you go to like tea pack and you have your little seat and you're enjoying it and stuff it's like that. It's like a big that. rave, right? It's like a mosh pit. So like that's where like thousands of people are just shoved like in literal mud and on the ground in front of the stage. And so that's what this was. And so um unfortunately this year's Astro World ended in disaster. Um they set it up kind of like a music festival. So they have different artists throughout the day. And then Travis Scott, who is the main headliner and the main one that pays for the um, event uh, is the last one of the night. And so people were starting to line up like four hours before um, Travis Scott would get on stage so that they could save their spots. Um, And it's, and it's uh, important to know that there were barricades all around where people were supposed to be standing. Um, and so there were several fans that said they tried to get to barricades so they'd be able to, you know, save their spot easier and things like that. Uh, unfortunately, that night, um, it is now the, the count is up to 10 now who have died due oh, to Astro World and um, being uh, trampled, being uh, suffocated because they are literally just being suffocated by being by human beings. What so call, it's them. what's
0: called a, a people crush. A large people crush happened. So
2: So the problem that people are having is who to blame for this situation. And I'm going to describe the videos that were taken and what happened in Afterworld. So the concert starts and all of a sudden um, there is just the crowd just gets condensed into one area. So there's people pushing, there's people shoving. And um, as Jess explained to me the other day, like there are times when there can be people so close to you that your lungs just can't expand because you just don't have enough room for your lungs and the other person's lungs to expand.
0: And like, think about it this way for our listeners that aren't familiar with the phenomenon of people crush. um, This has happened at several different um, large events in history. And um, essentially what it is is, uh, have you ever done that experiment where um, you have like a bunch of people in line and everyone ho- pushes their shoulders and you guys are able to push something really, really heavy um, or or um, lean on each other and it, it's force transfer. It's very simple. Um, people in the back, they push a little bit and the people in front of them push a little bit and the people in front of them push a little bit. And multiply that by you know a thousand, eight hundred, however many rows we have of people. and the people at the very front, are so they're they're compacted by this force so much that it prevents their lungs from expanding. Uh, it can even crush them, crush their their ribs, their spinal cord, uh, all all manner of different horrible ways to die. Uh, and well, I said it there, cause death. Uh, that's a people crush. So go ahead, just I just want to um, explain
2: that. Yeah, thank you. And so um, the uh, Travis Scott portion of the concert started. Um, People were already saying that it was getting really difficult to breathe, but they just accounted it to how many people were there and it was kind of warm. Then people start passing out and there's just like people dropping like flies all over the place. And because they had barricaded it, so there was the barricade and then there was like a space in the middle for press and, you know, TV crews and things like that. And then there was another section on the other side, that was more fans on that side. And so, um, uh, people began to crowd surf unconscious people from one side of the barricade all the way to the middle section where the press was to get them help. Um, they had, uh, I don't, I can't confirm the number cause I haven't found one, but it was not an adequate number, uh, excuse me, adequate number of, um, EMTs or medical personnel that was straightly attached to the yeah, concert, to the event. Um, they only had one stretcher, and they only had one. Uh, what do you call that defibrillator thing that people use?
0: A defibrillator.
2: But, you got that right. You, you called it right. AED. Yeah. They only had one on the property, uh, for that many people. And so, um, you start watching the video, and there are people. Travis Scott is just up on stage going crazy, getting like hyped up. And there are people literally being crowd surfed unconscious across. Um, there were now people getting CPR. I think at one time they had 12 or 13 people at one time getting CPR. At one point of his concert, there were three ambulances who were physically in the crowd, like three buses in the middle of the crowd of ambulances trying to help people. And um, at one point, Travis Scott did stop. And he said, Hey, you know, I have a guy over here, he passed out, please help him, like somebody come over here and help him. And he got everybody to be quiet. And he said to, you know, raise their middle fingers, and everybody was silent. And at this point, I think fans were hoping that this was him trying to, like, control the situation, like, get everybody to, like, stay still for a second so that they could figure out what to do. Um, but unfortunately, about 10 seconds later, he said, let's shake this place to the ground. Dah, 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 and people start going even crazier. Um, later, a girl climbs up on the stage um, next to the, uh, video, the people doing the video for the jumbo screens or whatever. And there's a video of her screaming at them to stop the concert because her friends are dying in the crowd in the concert. And the guy is like, you need to get off the stage. You need to go, you need get off the stage. And is like trying to get her off the stage. Obviously there's no security coming to get her because they're all trying to resuscitate people who are dying. Um, and then another guy had climbed up with her and like, at that point you can hear the crowd all yelling, like, stop the concert, stop the concert, stop the concert all in unison. All of them are yelling for them to stop. Um, so as of today, the youngest, uh, victim of this was a 10 year old boy at this concert. Yes. His dad was holding him on his shoulders. And unfortunately the dad, um, went unconscious, fell and the boy was trampled to death. Mm, the weird. oldest of this of of this was twenty seven.
1: Good grief, that's so crazy.
2: It, there's a lot of debate on, you know, who's at fault for this situation. Um, and one more story that I will tell from this because it, to me it's incredible. Um, a woman in the crowd she went unconscious and she was um, one of the ones that got crowd surfed to the middle section. And she, I guess, was deemed like fine because she had a heartbeat and she was right. just unconscious triaged and yeah. so she woke up with a water bottle in her lap and was like okay well i don't know how i got here but okay and she looks around everybody it's hysteria as travis god is still going crazy like on stage doing the performance and so she was actually uh, part of the medical field i don't remember what part um, but she got up and she started, uh, taking over different. Uh, she was a nurse, right? I believe so. Um, she started taking over CPR from a lot of the medical people there so that they can go tend to other people. Um, and she had to correct a lot of, there were a lot of like teens and older people like uh, and doing our age. You see very correctly. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, um, Travis Scott, um, the reason people are not very happy with him is because there are a lot of other artists who have stopped their shows for one person, not looking like they're doing well. So there's been Adele has done it. Harry Styles has done it. Like if one person looks like they're going to pass out, he's going to like stop the concert and get somebody to help. Um, Niall Hol- Holton, um, actually during one of his concerts noticed that the, the crowd was starting to move forward And so he stopped the entire concert and for like five minutes was getting people to like separate and kind of like, you know, get in a better position. And so
0: artists recognizing that kind of danger
2: is really important. Um, Travis Scott said that he had no idea what was happening, that there was even a situation other than the guy that passed out, which he was actually like at one point up in the air, like on a thing in front of the stage. So it came out and went up and like, it was like a... Like, it wasn't like a structure. It was like a crane thing, like an accordion thing that went up. So, and this was also when there were three ambulances with lights on in his crowd. His partner, because they're not married, Kylie Jenner, and her son were in the very back, like in a little VIP section, watching everything. She had video of ambulances, video of people. She actually, I think at one point, had one of somebody who actually died on her, Instagram, later went on and deleted deleted it, of course, because that looks bad. Chris Jenner can't have that bad press, man. Um, And then, so Drake was also a part of this performance, and Drake came out like right after everything kind of went crazy, and it had been going crazy at that point, which is going to make the crowd even crazier, because Drake is now here. Um, And people were really upset because he and Drake and the rest of their families went to Dave and Buster's afterwards. And had like a party to celebrate Astro World, and stated that the reason that they went was because they had no idea that anything had gone wrong.
0: Well, here's here's kind of my reaction, and I, Chloe and I discussed this before, but um, yeah, obviously I feel like some blame goes to Travis Scott um, for being um, oblivious uh, to his crowd and the danger that people were facing. However, um, I believe the venue carries the most blame in this case. Um, number one, because I don't believe they had any policy or procedure to deal with this kind of problem, and they had encountered it in the past. They've had crowd crushes where not, people didn't die, but they had several injuries from a crowd crush. Um, they, these, these things have happened a lot, and there are designs on how you design uh, your crowd structures to prevent this thing from happening. That it is a common. There have been there have been uh, uh, crowds at concerts that were ten times this size that did not have this issue that were at just as exciting concerts, but because of the way they've designed these arenas and or these uh, uh, um, festival sites, they didn't have this issue. Uh, not only that, um, but people were angry at Travis Scott for not stopping the concert. What about the audio people, the video production people, the 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 people who who are like monitoring everything the security people at the front who are hearing people scream and say please stop please help us that are ignoring this thing the venue did not have a policy in place to recognize this happening and subsequently stop the concert to prevent it from getting any worse there's a lot of people
1: that should have been in that kill chain that that should have been able to and they did
0: and they did not and they didn't the whole way. Mm -hmm. I don't even think they stopped the concert at all.
2: They did. They cut it short, but like his set got cut short because they were told... I don't think Travis Scott was ever told why it was cut short at that point. It was just, hey, we're cutting short, da-da-da-da-da. But um, another thing that actually happened through this event was um, an officer actually um, uh, had to go to the hospital, an officer there that was helping... Because a fan had stuck a needle in his neck and had in, had injected drugs into his neck while they were trying to, like, help.
0: Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that, and that's crazy. Yeah,
2: so it was just, like, the event. I that's agree. why I don't
0: go to these things. They're, I, just not, they're, not, they're dangerous now.
2: I agree with what you said. I took a liability class in my master's degree, and I had to sit there and write a liability report for a golf tournament. And she's like, "You have to plan for every single thing that could possibly go wrong." I got points off because I only gave two hundred examples of things that could go wrong. <laughs> and I didn't give enough, and so it's like these people are professionals.
3: What were some of the two hundred? We don't have time. Wait, yeah, you don't have <laughs> time. Give two.
2: Um, a tree limb falls on a woman watching her husband play golf. That actually happened, and um, probably like a golf ball hitting somebody in the head was probably one of them. But yeah, so two hundred
3: wasn't enough.
2: No. Because you because you just you want to cover as much as you can liability wise, yeah. and so there had to have been a plan. And the
0: thing is, this is not. A like a crazy you know act of God kind of incident. This wasn't multiple lightning strikes in the crowd that subsequently caused the collapse of the stage onto a thousand people. This was a well documented phenomenon. Now. That yeah, shut up. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. Um, this is a well documented phenomenon that is known and planned for by every other major festival provider and arena in the world. But apparently, Astro World is too busy with other things to plan for people's safety. Uh, they need to be held accountable for every death and every injury, and I'm sure there's going to be some class action lawsuit against them. Um,
2: he already has so, Travis Scott, I believe he's, he said he's paying for all the funerals of all the people who have passed due to, the, due to their injuries from Astro World.
0: I was like, that's some consolation, right?
2: And then um, he also, I think they have 20 lawsuits as of right now against just him.
1: There's more coming, I'm There's sure. There's more, I'm yeah. sure.
2: Oh, and he refunded everyone from the concert.
1: And I So they gave I,
2: all the money back.
0: I don't think they should be suing Travis Travis Scott. They should be honestly. suing the it, it needs to be the venue. venue. That's the big responsibility. That's where it lies. Yeah,
1: start opinion. with the venue and let the venue go after Travis Scott. And they're Scott the ones they that got like, the
0: money. I mean, you think Travis Scott is rich, look at the venue providers. Well I it's
3: mean, like I've been to venues before where they usually have that one barrier right up front, but this one had like multiple barriers throughout mm-hmm. So I'm guessing now that I think about it, that's to prevent things like crowd crush. You're exactly right. Yep. It's it, trying to divide the forces of the also, crowd.
2: it's also just being careful that you don't get too many people in that one area because I think that's what they were trying man, to it do. Was like,
3: it was like a bunch of barricades and lines, and then there was like small gaps to allow flow right, between. Yeah. Yep. But like, I guess and that essentially prevented too many people from getting in one area to prevent It's to crushing. prevent that
0: multiplication of force. So if everyone is in the same line all the way down to the stage, and everybody pushes, the few people up at the front are going to get crushed. So those interruptions, those those breakages in the flow and the divisions in the crowd help to prevent um, crowd crushes. So yeah, I mean, it's well documented. It's not a difficult thing to plan for, and they just re- refuse to the do barrier's it. They, in and have more medic. they failed to plan, and therefore they plan to fail, and they also- did fail.
2: I will say Travis Scott may be in more trouble because he also so in 2017 I believe there were two instances in both 2015 and 2017 that he um, the first one was that he encouraged the crowd to come and storm up towards the stage which also um, resulted in people being crushed so like he literally was like Come on, get up here, get up here. If you if you were really my fan, you're gonna come up here. Oh
1: wow! Oops. And
2: then um, yeah. the other instance was that he was playing in a venue that had like the pit below, and then the next up was a balcony area. And he um, was talking about like trust with with your people. And he had one guy that he was like, jump off the balcony if you like, you know, are my fan, they will catch you. And the first guy got caught obviously but then another kid got pushed because they thought that he would get caught or whatever and is now paralyzed. Oh my so god. So the one where they rushed the stage Travis Scott actually um was arrested right after he walked off stage for that one. But for the because he was the one who enacted it. Um but this one like we said it's it's trickier. It's trickier who's you know who's liable. It's kind of like the Alec Baldwin situation who's liable for you know for what and who did what and who messed up and who didn't so there's
0: so much going on right now and um, lots of terrible things um, have happened and I just hope that uh, in the end we can learn from everything I just hope at the
2: end we can still love each other yeah
0: I know right still
2: love you bro I know the title
0: of the show so well that's a good stopping point I think Uh, right Chris a good segue yeah I think so so I guess that'll be the end of the episode Um, we want to thank everybody for listening to still love you bro Um, make sure to listen to the rest of our podcast if you like our content feel free to uh, share it with your friends and family if you think they'd enjoy it Um, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts Um, and we also have a website Chris?
1: Yep, stillloveyabro.com shout us over an email chris at stillloveyabro.com
0: jess at stillloveyabro.com with a Y-A
2: chloe at stillloveyabro.com that's c-h-l-o-e and the yaw like jess said
0: yeah the yaw by the way my name is j-e-s-s-e um, if you send it to j-e-s-s it will go to the dark pit where all the misspelled emails go on the internet um anyway thanks for listening to still love you bro we'll see you next week if we don't get covered
1: have a good week yay bye And we're clear. Oh, my God. What a long episode. Was
2: a <clears throat> episode. It's all Grant's fault. I was literally sitting there. I'm like, am I ever going to get to my What do you
1: mean? Job? We'll okay, see you next week if we don't get to-